Hello, Ziyang here. Thank you for joining me as I attempt to find my place in a world where nothing is funny and everyone is offended. In today's episode, I sit down with my friend Zeth and we just did a little catch up on how COVID-19 has been for us and what we've been up to during this during this quarantine season. So take it for what it's worth and enjoy. Okay, hi everybody and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. By everybody, I mean the five people who regularly listen, two of whom are my parents. Uh, this is the fourth episode of the podcast. Things have been rather hectic for me, ironically, ever since the breakout of this whole COVID thing and the start of the circuit breaker here in Singapore. And uh, I sincerely hope everyone is doing well. I hope you are all safe but not selfish. For this episode, I have a friend joining me. His name is Zef. I've known him for a while now and it has always been a pleasure whenever I get to sit down and speak with him. There are always new insights that I take away from our conversations and he has always come across as a person donning many hats, always taking on different types of projects and challenges and also very wise and experienced for his age. I'm not going to shortchange his abilities and accomplishments with my introduction, so I'll let him introduce himself. Um, Zef, please introduce yourself to my friends and uh, to let them know you a little bit better. Hi guys, I'm Zef. I was previously the co-founder of this travel startup in Singapore called PackDead. We were acquired by an Indonesian company in 2018. So that's uh, one of my accomplishments before I have to head into national service. Uh, this is how I know Ziyang through his brother who I met in national service. Okay, Zef. So I've always been very curious, uh, but I've never gotten around to asking you this question. How did your name come about? I think this is something that a lot of people ask me as well. So how this name came about was, I know this guy who is a neighbor of mine, who is kind of like a mentor to me, you know, in skating, which I told you about. Previously, I was a national skater. This guy, uh, i known him since I was in primary six. He has taught me a lot. We started playing out uh, basketball together. And then he came about being a mentor to me. And then we competed in skating, I would say, like competitively. And he was in my team. So he coached me and things like that. And he somehow like came about with a name for himself called Zane, X-A-N-E. And then he was asking me, hey, do you want an English name for yourself too? He was saying like, maybe you should call yourself Zeph. Uh, he said like, you're someone who is very zesty and things like that. So I was like, okay, he's the first one to give me a like English name and I decided to you know stick with it. So is that name part of your IC actually? I wanted to, but you know, for very like conservative Asian family, my mom would be saying like, hey, this is not good for your feng shui or things like that, you know. Changing the IC when you were younger was a process that I couldn't do it myself. And then when you get older, you just feel like, hey, uh, since everyone is calling you by that, really doesn't matter anymore whether you change it on the IC. Of course, that's on the legal side itself. Okay, cool. So how has the entire circuit breaker thing been for you? Like, How's it going? I think during the circuit breaker, I think some changes happened to my life, I would say. And one of the huge events that took place was that I left this startup, the podcasting startup, Zoop. Right now, currently, I am working with a few friends who started their own startup in the coffee industry. You guys can check it out. It's all coffee. I'm more of an outdoor kind of person. You know, I, I want to go out and do my work, not really just stay at home 
yeah, I'm more of a collaborative person. So I really love those environment like co-working spaces or working from a cafe or something instead of just like staying at home and work. Unless, you know, it's like something I podcast where you have to be really quiet down. So that's something about me. But I guess everyone really prefer just staying at home and then they don't really want to, you know, like go back to the normal life itself. Having Looking at this area, is there a chance to you know, solve a problem, take away the pain from people from traveling, you know, two, three hours commuting to work? That's something that I've been thinking about during this circuit breaker itself. Cool. So apart from your, like apart from working with the people at Paul on the project, you're also working on your own things on the side? Huh? Uh, not really. I would say currently for me, it is just thinking about it. But what's in my plans is that just like you, I will be wanting to start a podcast. I've been saying that to you for a few months, you know, <laughs> but I've been like doing a lot of shit on the side. Probably this time, really going to commit into it together with my girlfriend. She'll be the co-host. Okay, and nice. we'll be talking about a few topics. So let's keep it a secret. And I want you to be on the show as well, bro. Okay, I would love to be a part of it. It's what have you been writing? Because the last we spoke, you mentioned that you wanted to start writing more articles on Medium, was it? Yeah, I guess writing is something that takes up a lot of time to put out something that is good. So unless you are like documenting your entire life, like what Gary Vee says, it becomes really hard because you have to put in the time to do some research because you're, you're simply creating when you're writing itself. And I feel that to write something on a medium blog and things like that, it's really hard to document your entire life and then want someone to read about something that is just simply documenting your life and telling people what you learned. That can work as well, but it's harder for me right now because I personally feel that the reading, right, fits the writing itself. You have to take time to read and you have to take time to write. But uh, the most recent one that I wrote was the one about how you can use your creativity to solve problems even during like really difficult time. You don't have to really be the best in the world. It's really hard to become the best graphic designer or writer in the world, but you could use whatever you know, come up with something, you know, help a community, support a cause, Anything that you can do with whatever you have. Right, so what happened was that I used my very basic graphic design skills, like Photoshop, Illustrator. I helped my brother with an initiative that he has been working on to help designers who were out of job because of COVID-19. Just simply you know, coming out with a campaign because I've always been really fascinated and studied quite a lot into like the art of advertising itself. So whenever there's an occasion where I could be part of a campaign, I'll be really excited to just help it out and see how it goes. So you're saying it's not as easy to write when you don't have that much time to read, like to write a, a very targeted article. Is that what you're saying? I guess you can say that. And this is the reason why you know I want to move towards podcasting as well. Definitely for someone like you who have done a few episodes, you feel that podcasting is definitely easier than writing in a sense where writing is really slow. Imagine having to edit a guest blog compared to right now having to edit this podcast where I'm a guest. It is definitely easier than you know writing itself. And I'm not saying that you do not need to do a lot of research, but part of those are my excuses as well. Paul is undergoing a lot of changes in terms of branding, you know, are coming up with new features and trying to enhance the customer experience, the first touch point with us, how could we make it a better experience for them compared to what they have outside right now. And that has been my focus for this uh, CV period. We are just looking to see where it goes from here. Actually, how did you get in touch with them? Like, how did you all start collaborating together? 
this is a really interesting story, I would say. The founders of Core, I met them during my national service time. So I was in Air Force. Those guys, they were my regulars. I guess there's differences between the three forces, you know, the Air Force, Navy, and Army itself. Maybe we work closer together to the regulars in the Air Force because majority of the manpower in my unit is made out of regulars. One of them is really close to me. We have duty sessions that you have to stay overnight. During the duty session, we would just be chatting and then asking each other about the hobbies and things like that. I guess it was one time he just opened up and asked me, besides army, what do you do outside of camp? I was telling him about all these crazy stories about entrepreneurship and my experiences itself. I guess that kind of, you know, steers his direction as well towards like, hey, you only have one life, right? You could be someone who is here getting a comfortable paycheck or you could go out there and I'm not saying that you will succeed. All the rewards is not guaranteed. The only thing that is guaranteed is the struggles. You have to put in your hard work. That's the only thing that is guaranteed to work. So I guess that kind of changed his mind. He left the force in late November last year, but he already had plans to start Core Coffee and we have been talking about it. Just that I'm not in the team. I was like advising him how to go out and just take the first step, I would say. So that's how I met them. And then while I was working at Zoop, I was asking them, hey, uh, maybe you guys should try out podcast advertising because this is something really new and there's a huge potential out there. I wouldn't say that it's really, really expensive right now for the kind of attention that you'll be getting for your business. And they were saying like, hey, okay, we might be interested in doing it. And so we have been chatting about it. And then I was looking at their brand. I told you I am the brand guy. Whenever I look at a brand, I will ask them like, hey, why do you design things this way? Why do you choose this color palette and things like that? So they weren't really into, you know, the branding kind of things. I was suggesting them like, hey, maybe you could change this and that. That's how I slowly got involved in the whole entire project. There was a time when I was still at Zoop because my team is based in New York. The CTO himself, he is in Vietnam. So sometimes I have to stay up quite late till like 12 a.m. to communicate with them. I will have to drink a lot of coffee and I started ordering from Cook Coffee. Yeah, that's how I started getting into specialty coffee itself. Also, before this, you were never like a coffee person. I would say that very amateurish, very naive about the whole thing. We did this survey for Paul. It's going out asking everyone, hey, uh, tell me the number one coffee establishment that comes to your mind. They have three seconds to do so. Most of them who are beginners, you know, someone who has never like drank or experienced how specialty coffee is different from, you know, the commercial coffee itself. Everyone will say Starbucks and I'm the guy who will answer Starbucks as well. To me, Starbucks was the best kind of coffee. And after getting into this like specialty coffee, when I drink Starbucks, it's just different right now. I would still say that Starbucks has its place in our hearts. Probably the first cup of true coffee that we have ever drank. The first cup of expensive coffee that everyone drinks. Yeah, definitely, man. The Starbucks, right? So before this, you talk about like when you spoke to the regulars, you know, encouraging them to take that first step out into entrepreneurship. And I agree with you that it's not a guarantee everyone will succeed. I feel like sometimes people feel entitled to results or affirmation from others just because they have given their best, so to speak. I was guilty of that once before. Now, obviously, it's not true lah, because at the end of the day, the results that you produce will speak for itself, right? You know, but do you ever think there are cases where somebody's best is just not enough? You know, whether is it a physical limitation or whatever form of limitation, they don't succeed no matter how much they persevere. I think that no one is entitled to succeed. 
just like myself, after being in entrepreneurship and things like that, I could probably build a next startup knowing what to do, the very basic stuff. But you see, when I reached out to you for help with the filming but I was trying to get through in an interview for an advertising company as an intern. Why I applied for such a low position starting as a junior was because I know that no one is entitled to anything. And if you really want to play this for the long term, you have to be prepared to go in and do the dirty work from the ground up. That's when you see the most things. I guess jumping back to the question about giving your best and then not succeeding, right? That is true because there is luck involved and things like that. Those are factors that will probably affect whether someone will succeed or not. There are similar ideas out there just executed on different year. Basically, the timing itself is different and the market is ready for the second guy who came in. These are factors that I would say, you know, you choose the wrong year or things like that. Your best, right, is something that is not a good benchmark because your best at your best day is different from your best on your bad day, you know. So judging by your best is never enough. There was a quote that was given to me, I think by my co-founders previously. You cannot do your best. Your best will fail you at times. If you really want something, you really have to do whatever it takes. You were saying that you will fail and things like that, right? Then I would say, if that's your dream, then don't give up. Maybe go try to do something else or try another method to get there. The best way to get to where you want is not to have a map. If you're telling me, hey, I want to be a millionaire, that's a million way, an infinite way to get there. Maybe you could build a startup, you could do trading, you could become a top YouTuber or things like that. Right? Those are ways to get there. The best way would not to be saying, I want to use this startup to get there. What you want to do is to say that you have a compass instead of a map. So you go to where you want, the destination that you want to reach by any method that is possible. Okay, that makes sense. So another thing that I've always wanted to ask you, right, is like in the process of accomplishing everything that you've done so far, how do you cope with the stagnation and the trap feeling that will come at some point of time, regardless of what type of work that you choose to undertake? Mm. I guess this is the problem people run into. And this is why they suffer from imposter syndrome as well. Because you feel that you're not qualified, you're not good enough yet, and things like that. It's really hard to see how far you come unless you document your process. Documenting your process doesn't mean that you have to share it with everyone. You know, I have a portfolio, all the previous work that I have done, all these sketches, notes that I have taken. I don't really show it to other people, but when I look back, flip a few pages from the notes, you can see that your thinking process has improved. These are the things that you learn and then it's still in your mind, you know. You are just simply evolving so fast that you don't take time to check it out yourself. One of the things that a lot of people misses out, especially very high achievers, they would not slow down to give themselves a pat on their back when they achieve something small, even if it's really just something small. They will say like, hey, my main goal is to go for an IPO or things like that. So only when I have reached there do I deserve to celebrate or things like that. I guess it is making sure that you remember all these small moments where you achieve something. That's where you know that, hey, the next milestone could be bigger than this. I guess that's a way to push it forward. Actually, that's kind of the approach that I've been taking these past few weeks. Because on my end, when the circuit breaker first started, I was so, so excited because I'm like a 99% introvert and I couldn't be happier to stay home and work from home and, and to have the chance to work on my own things, you know, but... After like 2-3 weeks into it, I started feeling very stagnant because uh, some of the things I wanted to do, I cannot do at home. And the things I've been doing at home started becoming very repetitive. 
I started feeling this trap feeling or like very stagnant. You know, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how I could do things better. I just felt very lost. Before this, I used to wake up early every day and try to like exercise a little bit, eat a little bit healthier. Then I think for about one week or two weeks, I just like gave it all up. I just sleep in, uh, sleep late. I didn't eat properly. I didn't exercise. And I felt like I hit an all-time low. And it was the first time I felt like that in quite a while. Um, there's this guy on Instagram called David Meltzer, I think. He always speaks about lowering the bar, which is basically, instead of saying, I will wake up and run a 10-click tomorrow, say, I will wake up and wear my sports shoes. As simple as that. Then when you wear your sports shoes, you might go out for exercise, you might not, but you still pat yourself on the back for wearing that pair of sports shoes. It's an approach that I've tried to take over the last two weeks and it's been quite helpful because now I will set my alarm to wake up at 4. But if I wake up at 6, I still say at least I woke up earlier and I still have a little bit of extra time in the morning. I try to do a 10-minute yoga session and then I say, hey, good job, good job on myself. I've been rereading my old journals that I used to write and like what you said, like, it helps you to see how far you have come in terms of the way you It gives you more perspective. Mm, correct. Because a lot of times it's just you, or rather in this case, me sitting here saying, I want to be there, but I'm not there. But when I take some time out of my day to like read two or three journal entries from six to eight months back, I start to see, oh, I was in a much, I wouldn't say lousier place, but I was just in a very different place. And I've grown a lot from there. And uh, yeah, I think it's just very helpful to keep the, the momentum going. Definitely, man. What you mentioned about lowering the bar from David Melzer, I use it personally for writing as well. It's really hard to stare at a blank piece of paper or you know, just a blank screen and then type something out. Sometimes you give yourself the, the goal of writing maybe 2,000 words and then it becomes really hard to start. I'm not sure where I learned this technique from, but it's just to sit there, just write and don't stop for maybe like 5 minutes to 10 minutes. And hopefully, by the end of 10 minutes, you will be sitting there continuously writing because you enter kind of like a flow state. That's kind of like lowering the bar for me. Instead of saying that, hey, I'm going to spend today writing this entire piece, why not just start off with the five minutes? That's one way to tell yourself to get started. And I think it's good to have people around you who set their bar really high as well. They really push you and hold you accountable for what you say you are going to do. This has been really important for me in my life as well because I have people around me who are constantly telling me that like, hey, uh, Zev, you told me that you're going to write or you're going to start a podcast. So that would you know, remind me, hey, I told this guy I was going to do this shit and then now I'm not doing it. Like, what the fuck is going on, you know? For example, exercise. It's really tough to start getting into shit when you haven't been running or like working out for like years. The first few times are the hardest. So you really need someone there to push you as well. I think it's like Gary Vee and his personal trainer like that. Yeah. Like right. He himself can't drag his ass to exercise, but when he's accountable to his trainer, then he starts getting in shape better. That's true, that's true. Yeah. What are some of your thoughts on balancing, setting and achieving high standards for yourself versus the impossible to achieve state of perfection that a lot of people try to achieve? Impossible versus things that are hard, right? Yeah. How do you balance trying to achieve and set high standards for yourself and not fall into the trap of achieving the perfection that you will never achieve, that we will all never achieve? I guess I will split it into two ways to think about it. Just like a company vision and a mission, right? For myself, I have a vision and then I have a mission as well. A vision is how it will look like when you achieve your goals. A mission is what you're going to do to reach that goal itself. I usually set my vision as things that are impossible. Your mission should be something that is hard but achievable. That is how I guess you can balance it out. Because if your vision is something that's easy, what's the point, right? It should be something that is really hard, really, really hard or close to impossible, I would say. 
you will probably not achieve it even at the end. But in the midst of trying to reach that vision, you have already done so many hard stuff that you surpassed everyone else. So I think the logic is to do the hard things and then set the bar so high. And even if you fail, right, you fail above everyone else. Even for the stars fall on the clouds. Yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. But sometimes such things put a lot of pressure on people itself. Definitely, it's not for everyone. I'm someone who is really competitive. Even before I started entrepreneurship, I was a national athlete. I am yeah, just naturally competitive in terms of the things that I want to achieve. I chose certain things in life, like skating. I have to win. I'll tell myself that I have to win. I asked you this question because it's something that I've been struggling with also during this circuit breaker period. I'm not sure if it's because I spend so much time with myself and with my own thoughts that I start to just non-stop compare myself. And, and as you start comparing yourself, you start to see like where you fall short and you take that to compare to where you see yourself being and then you start to feel that inadequacy for me. So yeah, this past few weeks has been me trying to figure out the balance of not being so hard on myself, but also not giving myself so much slack. You know, Gary himself has a video about comparing. He said that he hates comparing. That's the same for me because I feel that as human beings, right, we are very bad at choosing who we want to be compared against. We are really bad at doing that shit. Usually the guys that you choose to compare are guys around you. You know, you compare to your friends, people who are close to you and things like that. Why is there never someone who will blame themselves that they are not doing better than like Jeff Bezos and things like that? I mean, if you want to compare, you better compare with the rest. The best is not to compare, but keeping a journal and then looking at your own progress and seeing how it goes. But definitely, if you're someone who is really competitive, I would say that just try to balance it out. Just don't beat yourself up when there's a bad day like what you just experienced. So you're saying like the best yardstick to measure yourself by is your own progress, is it? For someone like me, if I have to be very honest, I would take the time where I was the most competitive. That was in my skating days. I started skating out with people who were like my idols, you know, looking at them, you know, just practicing with them and things like that. And then I started competing with them. And slowly, I shift my focus to the idols of my idols. I started competing at a different level. For me, I'm someone who always wants to play up. I guess it is also at the same time not being afraid to fuck it all up and then, you know, lose or make some mistake along the way. Because when you really want to improve, you have to play with guys who are better than you. Yeah, you will fall, you know, they will beat you and things like that. But that's where you learn the most and then you build up your character itself. That is one thing that I've been struggling with all my life. I've been very afraid to be the small fish in a big pond for a very long time. And even though today I know that I want to be the small fish in a big pond, there are still a lot of times where the thought of being that small fish scares me. Just because it's a new environment or it's a different task, it's a different activity, it's something I've never done before. And there's that potential chance of failure. I guess that gets like everyone as well, you know. Sometimes it gets me as well. And then I will really go into a state where you start to question things like, why are you scared of this shit? You know, why are you scared of making this mistake or things like that? And then ended up is always you are afraid of this because of something else, you know, like an emotional problem. And then you justify by logic. You say that, hey, I don't want to fail because this is wasting my time or things like that. But the actual reason behind it almost always is that someone would look at me differently. Perhaps like someone judging you or shit like that. It's almost consistently the same answer. So I guess that once you face your demons and then you face it, right, you kind of never be the same again unless you get lost again and then the same issues that you have conquered, it start chewing on you again. Actually, I feel like my demon is me. Eh? Like you're saying, if you're afraid when you fuck it up, other people will see you differently. But for me, it's more of if I fuck it up, I will see myself differently. That's the same thing as well, man. Like, you just have to just go out, 
And I'm not saying like go out on purpose and fail, but just take the risk. Definitely sometimes you fail, but failures are things that you don't plan for. That's why you fail, right? Actually, that has been the situation with a lot of my projects over the last two weeks. Like this circuit breaker, like everyone is stuck at home. So pretty much what I'm doing now is learning new equipment, picking up new skills, and I'm also trying to do different kinds of videos in different ways, different methods of execution. And it has just been projects that deserve to be scrapped after I'm done with it. But because from the start, I kept expecting like, oh, I'm trying out a new gaming video today. I think it will turn out very well. And then it didn't turn out very well because of whether is it I don't know how to use the equipment that well or like I'm just not comfortable in front of the camera. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. And then I end up being too emotionally attached to the projects that I've been trying to do. And then when they turn out not so well, not what I expected, and then I become them sin. So it's also something that I'm learning to like not, to learn to let go, I guess. Okay. I think that's a issue that I faced very early on. I kind of solved that because like what you have just mentioned about, right? You are having expectation on the results. That's the end, you know, that's the reward that you get. But when you focus so much on the process, that's where your true passion lies. The process is really you wanting to show up every day because there's a purpose greater than that, greater than the reward that you'll get. You know, maybe it is you feeling better about yourself or things like that. When you start enjoying the process, focus on the process, not so much about the goals, the rewards that will come your way once you have done this, things start getting really simple and then you don't stress yourself out. It's like a very simple way of thinking, but like somehow we all don't think that way. Yeah, everyone is very results-driven. This is why the process is something that you have to have a lot of focus on as well. Let's say that you're a bodybuilder. You can be in the gym thinking about winning the bodybuilding championship all day. Or you could just fucking settle down and then really build your body to the best shape possible and invest in the process itself. I don't know who I heard it from again. There's a quote where it says, the championships are not won in the arena. It's won in the, you know, the hours in the gym or the after hours that you put inside there. So it's really in the process that will lead you to all the achievements. I think a lot of us are very caught up with the end result because that's what the society has come to learn to judge a lot of our achievements yeah, and self-worth and value by, which is a bit toxic. I guess that's part of our education system as well, right? Yes, correct. Like when your teacher write on your paper, like pass or fail. Jay Shetty has a video about this. So he talked about lack of success itself. That's the meaning of failure. That means that people in the society, they don't value the experience that goes behind the entire process. For example, the cutoff grade for getting to an express stream for a PSLE score, right? In the past, okay, let's say it's 200. What about that guy who got 199? Just a simple wrong MCQ and then he couldn't get to express stream. Does that mean that you are better than him? Are you going to judge based on the result? I mean, on the results, like uh, getting in a better school, probably you get there. But when you finish your college or things like that, you're out in the working world. Will you be more successful than him because you score like one fucking mark higher than him? Nope, nope. With all the hours that you are putting into your work and all your different commitments, right? Have you had difficulty managing relationships? Not just like with your girlfriend, but like with family or friends. If I were living on my own right now, family, the relationship would definitely become a problem because you don't really have time for all of this. It's not me being selfish or things like that, but it's really like prioritizing your time and what you want to achieve. After all, you only have 24 hours a day. Everyone has that. Right, like whatever fuck you want to do with it just don't complain because you'll be sacrificing this for something better hopefully 
I would say that time with friends and things like that, close to zero. People who I used to hang out a lot with, unless you are part of like the business or the company, you know. Otherwise, it's really hard to, you know, go out with them and things like that when you know that there's work to be done. There's always things that can be done better. People that you should be reaching out to that can help you out instead of just going out and hanging out for a pizza or things like that. It's very much on the psychological level as well. If I went for that, right, I would probably like come back thinking like, what the fuck, man? I've just wasted one entire night. I could have done this. I could have done that, you know. And that happened quite a few times. When it is really important, maybe it's, uh, we are launching a new feature or new product around the timing. I would just be that guy that don't turns up for the birthday party. Unless you are someone who is really, really important. You know, if you're just like a casual friend, I just won't turn up. I mean, dude, it's just my priority, you know. There's no right or wrong here. I feel like I'm in that dilemma quite a bit these days because part of it is the sacrifice of the hours I want to put into my craft and my work and my own projects. And it's about balancing all these things with the amount of time I spend with my family. Like especially after my grandpa passed away, I know like my mom and my dad won't be around forever. But at the same time, I know that if I sit down with them after dinner every day, like half an hour, one hour to just talk, to catch up, to spend time with them, I will enjoy it, but at the same time, I'm doing it at the expense of the amount of hours I can put into building something that can potentially let me take care of my family more comfortably in the future. But of course, at the end of the day, I still choose to work on my own stuff. Like what I say, I can see how it can come across as selfish to a lot of people, but I feel like you have to be selfish while you can to be selfless in the future. I kind of believe in that also, but for me, it's a lot simpler than that. As long as I don't complain when I'm all alone with myself and nobody else is around, I don't blame myself for anything that I do and I'm happy with all of the shit that I've done. I don't really care if it's selfish to you or not. I just have to be able to live with it myself. You don't want to get exposed by yourself. I guess that's the most important thing. Actually, that's a barrier that I had to overcome sometime back with friends. I remember saying to myself and to a closer group of friends that, you know, I think in either 2019 or something like that, I was going to cut off a lot of extra time spent with them because like what you said, some of the outings are really very meaningless. We meet up, spend one whole afternoon, spend $15 on coffee and cake, and then everybody sit there, play handphone, make small talk that has no real meaning. Just got sick of that at some point. Maybe it's just us, just this group of people. But I just prefer like, working on improving on myself every single day more than anything else, I would say. I guess you just have to be able to go to sleep knowing that you have done something right for yourself. You have done good things, good work. That's really important. I strive for that. I strive for that. Like, sometime back when I started doing freelance video work, one of the first few things I told myself was that I may not be making a lot of money now. I might even be investing more money in my business and in myself than I'm making. But at the end of the day, I just want to be able to show up and make good, honest work to do things to the best of my ability and to go home and sleep well at night knowing that I've given my best. I feel like that's my my new mantra for 2020. <laughs> nice. Having a mantra for yourself is important, you know, setting principles and values for you to follow. Otherwise, it's very easy to, you know, stray back to the normal path because there's always peer pressure like, hey, guys, come on, come on, you know, come out for a few hours and things like that. Just bend over and get butt fucked. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> probably something that happened a lot in the past when we are just getting started to be disciplined. There's a lot of discipline. I mean, like, a lot of types of discipline. When it comes to work, I'm very disciplined. But when it comes to exercise, maybe not so much. So you have to train yourself. 
Yeah, I'm just very thankful that this entire circuit breaker period has given me this amount of ups and downs in terms of my emotions and my belief in myself. For me, I think it has given me clearer insights after you power through the storm to see things a lot clearer. Lor. Now I feel a bit clearer, but I don't know two weeks from now, will there be something that triggers another wave of darkness that will bring me down again? But I find that it has been helpful so far, lah, even though it's not the most enjoyable process to go through. But I feel like it's necessary. Definitely, man. I think there's this, I kind of heard it somewhere. Oh yeah, the Joe Rogan experience. I think Joe was interviewing someone. I'm not sure who. She's a fighter from Bellator. She recommended this book called Mind Gym. It's to have a mental highlight reel of your achievement, of the good days that you have and things like that. So that you can be reminded of it during your dark time. Like I told you, you know, a lot of issues that we face right now and then we solve it, it somehow comes back and it haunts you when you are feeling lost again. I think that the mental highlight reel kind of like help here as well. You should check it out. You should read the book. Okay. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to talk about or share your opinions, your goals or anything? I guess the next time that I'll be back, hopefully soon, we can do a, another collaboration. Yeah, sure. Especially given the way the entire thing has been extending. I think we'll be at home a lot more. Yeah, man. I mean, this is a very, very good period. I recently saw Jian Hao. He started his own podcast as well. And then I was like watching this episode where I think he was doing it with Debbie, his wife. I only watched the front part, maybe the first few minutes. Jian Hao mentioned this quote, right? Where he saw on social media saying that if you don't get out of this circuit breaker or this lockdown, learning a new skill, starting a side hustle or things like that, you probably are something like you're just lazy. You have always been lazy or things like that. I'm not sure like the exact words, but something along the line. They were discussing like why the quote is right or is wrong. It's based on where you are in life. Maybe it's a much needed break because you are burnt out. You're looking for a new direction. Not everyone has to be very productive, you know? So just like I think everything we've mentioned, being competitive, trying to be the best, striving for the best, you don't have to do all this shit, man. I always tell my friends or my girlfriend, like you don't have to do all this shit if you're unhappy. If you're happy getting a job somewhere else, maybe just a retail assistant or things like that, earning 2K a month and then you're happy, just do you, you know? I am not trying to judge like you're doing this, that's why like maybe I feel better than you or things like that. I have never felt that way before. Just because someone wants less than you, doesn't make you any more right or wrong or better than them. Definitely, man. But there are always guys out there that will make you feel like, oh, you are smaller than them. There will always be people like this. And this is why I always try to help people who wants to be helped. You know, if you want to do something crazy, just like my regulars, right? The story about how Paul Coffee started and how they got out of the army. I didn't try to convince them, you know, try to cycle them like, hey, hey like fucking quit your job. They realized that, hey, I've been here for like a long time and then I have always wanted to do this. And then when I hear this, right, I was just like, dude, fucking get out there, man. Liberate yourself from this shit, you know. That's when I started telling him more. He's not really trying to push something onto them. Actually, I came across, I don't know, was it a quote or a video on Instagram? But basically it was saying, what's right for someone else is not what's right for you. Whether is it the end result, their end goals or their process, like everyone is entirely, entirely different. So yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it's about what you want and how you want to do it. You can use other people as like a guide, but don't photocopy and expect it to work. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, there's someone, we are not saying about copying, right? But definitely there's someone who inspired you to become like them. 
if it's not to become like them, at least to be where they are in their career or anything, right? Take for example, if you want to become someone like Gary, you can't fucking be playing computer games or things like that every day. Because that's definitely not inside his blueprint of how he got there, right? So yeah, just do you, man. Yeah, that's a reminder for myself. Okay, so let's wrap it up. All right, everyone. So that's it from us for today. And uh, we'll see when I'll be on Zef's podcast or when he'll be back. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Hello, my friends, and thank you for hanging around. It really means a lot to me when someone takes time out of his or her day to listen to someone unqualified like me share about his life. I hope I've been able to add some value to your life with this podcast, even if it's to help you realize not to live a life like me. I am more than happy to make a difference in someone else's life at the expense of my happiness and reputation. Anyway, please share this podcast with your friends if you haven't already. If you liked it, share. If you don't like it, also share and tell people not to listen. You should be a good friend and warn your friends. You can also hop on over to Spotify or Anchor and leave me a review. Hopefully a good one, if you have time. Also, if you are interested in memes and cats and the occasional update of my life in a visual form, I'm on Instagram at L-E-K-Z-H-I-Y-A-N-G. If you're blind, your best bet will still be this podcast, so just stay here. Uh, Vice versa for the deaf. Again, I just want to say I really appreciate you. I don't usually mean what I say, but I mean it this time. Thank you and take care.